Well, earlier in the year, we did a training here for officers, for elders and for deacons. A number of you were at that event. It was a, a great and challenging day. Uh, last week, I presented some material that is kind of my interpretation and my thoughts on uh, what Pastor Graham Standish shared in the morning. Today, I'm going to present a little bit more about what I presented in the afternoon. Um, there was a, there's a man named Simon Sinek. He's an author. He got really popular because he did a TED Talk, which is sort of these idea-sharing things that happen, and they're normally only about 20 minutes long, uh, and they're on video. In fact, his was not a very quality video. It was at a very small event. But it got very popular and led to him writing a book called Start With Why. Now he's a very popular speaker. And uh, I got interested in his stuff, actually, because Pastor Graham Standish put me onto it. And uh, it's been really moving me and impacting me, and I shared it on that day, and, and I'm going to share it today. Now, normally in my sermons, I, I start with a Bible text, and then I sort of move from the Bible into the real world, or sort of back and forth, uh, depending on the sermon. Today, I'm going to do it a little bit different. I'm, I'm going to start with some business models. I'm going to start really in the world I sort of back my way into the scriptures. I'm not all of my uh, preaching professors would like this, but it's what I'm going to do. And so here we go. What Simon Sinek says is that great leaders, great companies, Simon is not a Christian as far as I know. He definitely does not write from that perspective. So he's looking at individuals, he's looking at companies, and he wants to know what makes really effective people effective. What makes companies stand out year after year after year while their competitors, having some of the same resources, having the same pool of people to hire, don't do as well? And what he says is that great leaders, great companies inspire loyalty and partnership. But the rest tend to manipulate people into transactions. Here's some of the strategies that businesses typically will use to try to get people to make transactions, buy, to get people on board. One is to compete based on price. Okay, they do this with customers by either having really, really cheap prices, that's kind of the Walmart mode, or you can have really, really high-end prices where you're going to pay a, an exorbitant amount for the same product you can get at Walmart uh, but you do so because it's the more expensive product. And these are companies who hire people just by, by um, either trying to hire them as cheap as possible or trying to pay people as much money to make sure they keep them. They're fighting on price. Promotion, that's specials. Uh, this is how car companies work, right? I don't think anybody buys a car for the sticker price because car companies every weekend have a different sale. They have more holidays than Hallmark does and most car dealerships. It's promotion. Fear. Some companies really work on fear. How many of you have seen the commercials? I have fallen and I can't get up. What's going to happen if you don't have that product and they make you worry until you finally dial the number? Aspirations. Some companies work on aspirations. What, what do you want? Well, if you use this product, you're going to get everything that you want. Old Spice does this, right, with the, the shampoos and the deodorants, and suddenly the boys are getting all the girls. In fact, the moms are complaining in the videos about Old Spice. 
It's ridiculous. Deodorant does not pick up women. But that's the way the commercial presents it, in a humorous way, but it's still aspirations. Peer pressure. Companies do this a lot by by pressuring you to keep up with others that are doing it or to tell you about great stars that are doing it. I mean, think about shoe companies, uh, sports athletic gear. Um, This is Nike. This is Adidas. Every year they got to get the new athlete. They got to get the new person in the different sports to make sure you know that they are wearing their Nikes. Another one is novelty. New innovative, never seen before. This is every infomercial you've ever seen, right? This is, we got to buy this because this is special. This is totally unique. It's going to fix all the scratches on your car. It's innovate, it's novelty, it's new. If companies do it, I think people follow some of these same manipulations, sometimes even manipulating themselves. I know people that's, that live on price, They either try to be as cheap as they possibly can or they try to make as much money as they possibly can, but fundamentally they're based on price. What about promotion? How many people work for promotions? How many people are interested in the next best thing, the new thing? How many people base their lives on fear? They live their lives motivated by what could happen. Many of us do this really simply, right? How many of you need deadlines to function? Right? You've got to set a deadline. You're motivated by having to get it done by a certain time or waiting till the last minute. Aspirations. How many of us live our lives? If only I could get this, then I'd be happy. If only I could make this much. If only I could drive this car. If only I could live in this neighborhood. Peer pressure. How many of us try to keep up with other people around us? Try to do what so-and-so does tries to do what my mom always said that I should do. Peer pressure. What about novelty? You probably know someone who is always doing something new, right? Always on the new diet, always in the new car, always in the new clothes, always with the new trend. If businesses do this and people do this, I also think churches do this. I know churches that base their their whole thing on price. Either they make church so easy you can just come and never do anything, or they make it so demanding where you've got to be at all kinds of things and you've got to get so many people saved every year. Low or high price, it's the same argument. Promotion, I know churches that are always having special days. In fact, I knew of a church, I'm not going to tell you where, that uh, did a raffle for, a, for some kind of special vacation. And to get in the raffle, you had to bring a guest to church. That's promotion. Fear. How many, we know churches that are fear-based, right? Fire and brimstone. You better be here. You better put your envelope in the plate. Fear. Aspirations. Churches are really fighting this one right now. We have sermons about how to get wealthy, how to have a better marriage, better, better, better life that you can get. That's what we offer in churches. Peer pressure. I know of churches that invite special preachers, have special events. One of our biggest events, one of our biggest Sundays last year was John Cole from the Pittsburgh Steelers was here. And a couple of us afterwards were thinking, man, we should have a guest preacher more often. Peer pressure. What about novelty? Churches are into the new, the fresh, the different, throwing off the old. 
Now listen, I'm not saying all of those things are bad. I tend to do some new things. I tend to sometimes have uh, some, some special things. They're not necessarily bad, but here's the tempting part about getting transactions like this. And business falls into this all the time. The problem is if you start competing on any of these things, you're going to have to continue. If you want to compete on price, you've got to keep your price low. Which means you've got to keep cheapening your product and cheapening your product. If you want to base your life, if you want to base your business, if you want to base your church on fear, you have to keep the fear going. Because once people have no more fear, there's no more reason for them to be involved. It's tempting because it works for a short term. It works for one sale or one transaction. But we can point to all kinds of companies, like car companies, that have run into a lot of problems because they, kept, they started in on one of these and they had to keep fighting that fight. Simon Sinek says, great leaders don't do this. Great leaders think and communicate differently. And so what he has what he calls the golden circle. It's up there on the screen. Most people, he says, and most of these manipulations work from the outside in. We all have kind of what we do. Our job, we're retired, we have kids. Every business knows, okay, we're a car company. Fewer companies know how they work. What is it special about that? How do we make cars compared to other places? How do we do church that's different from other churches? But fewer and fewer places really know why they do what they do. Fewer and fewer people are really driven by their purpose. Why they exist. What he says is most of us work from the outside in. Because we work from what's concrete to what's abstract. But he says great leaders and great companies work the other way around. They start with why. Great example of this is Apple computers. Apple's why is challenging the status quo. This comes right from Steve Jobs. If you go and read some of his history, uh, some of his biographies now, he believes in challenging the status quo. Why does it have to be that way? And so they have challenged the status quo on all kinds of stuff. So much so that now a computer company is also a phone company. It's also a music company. It's also a TV company. They move into all kinds of other products. Because they're not driven by what they do. They're driven by why they do it. And you know what happens? People get insanely loyal about Apple computers. They get really, like, when the new iPhone comes out, there will be a line anywhere that sells iPhones for those people to get the first one. And if they would wait a week, they could just walk in and buy one. But these people are so loyal that they've got to do it. And if you stop, talk bad about an Apple about Apple computers around somebody who has an Apple, have anybody ever made this mistake? Bam, they'll nail you. Martin Luther King Jr., I think, was like this. Martin Luther King Jr. was famous for his I have a dream speech. He did not have an I have a plan speech. You go back and look at, at Dr. King's ideas about how to bring racial equality into the laws of our land. He did not have, I think, real great ideas. But he had this insane sense of why, that this was unjust, that he had a dream. And you know what happened? All kinds of other people who had the same dream followed him. Simon Sinek says, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. People don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. Have you ever heard of string resonance? If I have two pianos in this room and I play a C chord on one piano... 
The strings that I'm playing on this piano will vibrate, will move ever so subtly on the other piano. In fact, even on a piano, if, if we play a C chord, there will be other, chord, other strings on that piano that have the same frequency, share some of the same frequency, and they will start to vibrate even though they're not actually making noise. Resonance. What really happens with effective people and with effective organizations is resonance. People ultimately don't follow Dr. King because of something Dr. King said. They ultimately follow Dr. King because it's something that they believe. People aren't loyal to Mac because of something about Mac. They're loyal to Mac, they're loyal to Apple because of something in them that connects with that. Harley Davidson knows this. If you ever meet somebody who's a Harley person, they would never buy a Honda. Period. In fact, I know Harley people that have Harley shirts and Harley bandanas and Harley everything. Harley has this incredible loyalty. Now, are Harleys far superior motorcycles? If you're a Harley person, you say yes. But the rest of us know there are motorcycles that go faster. There are motorcycles that can keep up with Harleys. But Harley understands it's an experience. They want Harley people to have Harley motorcycles. So much so that they have copyrighted the sound of their mufflers. So other motorcycles are not allowed to sound like Harleys. That's why when you hear a Harley, you know it's a Harley. They copyrighted the sound. I once thought about getting one of those little scooters just to tool around town. I am not a Harley person. A Harley person would never consider a scooter. It just doesn't happen. Let's, let's go a little more local. Hank's ice cream. How many of you love Hank's? We got Hank's fans out there? Okay. Uh, is Hank's far superior in terms of either their Mexican food or their ice cream? Some people would say yes, but they're not. They're not. In fact, the mix of a Mexican and an ice cream place is just weird. Okay? And you go there, you got to wait in line forever. They don't take a credit card, uh, not easily. They got to give you change back. It bothers me. Then you got to eat at dirty tables with bees flying around you. And you know what happens? People line up at Hank's. Why? Because they're local. Because we have this, this, this sense of Hank's being a local place. And when people come from out of town, we, gotta, we say, hey, you've got to go experience Hank's. It's not that much better. It's not that, it's not that good a price at Hank's. But it's something about us that we like local. That we are from here, and so we've got to try Hank's. The hot dog shop's the same way for me. Is the hot dog shop's far superior in hot dogs? No, I can show you a lot better hot dogs than the hot dog shop. And some people are going to defend the chili, but I'm telling you, it. Craig's Hardware. This one's closer to home, right? What's the what is the why of Craig's Hardware? It comes right from, comes right from Rick. Service. Is Craig's Hardware the cheapest you can get stuff? No, actually, sometimes you can really find other places. Is it their promotions, their sales? No, that, I, I pay attention to the sales, but it doesn't drive me there. But I know people, I know contractors that always go there first. And it's not, because, not just because of the service down there, but it's because we are people that believe in service. And because service is important to us, because what's going on down there resonates with us, we go there. Is, everybody, is this making sense to everybody? Great companies, great leaders, start with why. If I asked you who you were, 
And why you do the things that you do. Would you start with what you do? I'm retired. I'm my job. I'm married. I've got kids. And would you work it from the outside in? Or would you start with why? And really present why you do things. What's the value? See, I think Cynic is on to something. And I think it works so well because it is biblical. When I look at the church... When I look at the Bible, I think we are why-based. There's my Bible. So let, me, let me read from you, from the Scriptures, a couple of things. Here's the call of Moses. I alluded to it when we installed officers. Exodus 3, 13 and 14. Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, And they ask, who is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. Moses is driven by a why. And his why is that he was sent. Let me give you some more. I have a Bible in my office that has all these pages marked. Still in my office. Listen to Jesus. John chapter 6, starting in verse 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that has been given me, but raise it up on the last day. This is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in Him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Jesus is driven by a sense of why. In fact, if you look at Jesus' life, his, what He's doing is often interruptions. It's often unplanned. He's walking along, somebody touches Him. Somebody bumps into Him. Somebody's in a tree over there, and He goes and talks to Him. He's driven by following the will of the Father. At the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says to those disciples, Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The church has a why. It has a purpose. To go and make disciples. Paul, at the beginning of 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 2, talks about how when he goes to Corinth, he wants to preach one thing. I want to preach to you Christ and Christ crucified. That's the only thing I wanted to make known to you. Paul's ministry in Corinth had a significantly focused why. I think that Cynic is right. I think it is really biblical. I think we should have our own why. I think we have a why faith. I think we try to make it a what faith. Talk about what we do. Talk about how we do things. But I think the Bible always starts with why. This always gets tricky in sermons, right? Because we want at the end of the sermon some really practical advice about how to do certain things. Give me step one, two, three. But the Bible, and therefore I think often sermons, are much more interested in why. And if you change your why, you know what happens? Your how and your what starts to change as well. As Christians, God's grace in Christ is our why. As a church, our why is to make disciples. But I think we should also have particular whys. 
Why does God have you where you are in your life? An important discussion for us today. What is Westminster's why? Why are we here as a church? Are we living out of a sense of why, a sense of purpose? And what is that? Because you know what's going to happen? The, the more we clarify our why as a church, the more what our why is is going to start to resonate with other people. In fact, it already has. We've already got people coming here. Some people are not coming here anymore because the why is not right. But some people are showing up. And I'm very interested to know why people are because that gives us a real clue to what our why should be. The clearer that our why is as a church and in our lives the more we're going to be able to inspire change in others and in the world around us. So what is your why? What is our why? Let us pray. Jesus Christ, first of all, we thank you for the why that you gave us in dying, in coming to earth to go to that cross, in rising from the dead. To extend to us your favor, your grace. Help us to move into the future that you have for us as Christians and as a church. Help us to be driven by why that those around us would resonate with our purpose. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.